to the Everything EC podcast. I am your host, Carla Ward, and today we are going to talk about one of my absolutely favorite topics that makes me so super excited when talking childcare. Today, I want to talk about setting up your play based classroom environment. This is going to be a two part series as there is so much to cover when it comes to setting up the environment, and I don't want you to get so overwhelmed that you quit on me. The environment is one of the most important investments you can make in your program. Now, to be clear, when I say investment, I do not mean financial, at least not from your personal pocket. Please, please, please do not spend money out of pocket on your classroom. As an educator who has certainly spent hundreds, possibly thousands on her classrooms over 17 years, you certainly learn that it's not what matters. When you think about the classroom or program environment, think about what that environment means to you and the students you work with on a daily basis. What values do you want reflected in your environment? For the children, let's think about how the classroom environment can be their home away from home. Yours too, for that fact. You do spend more time at the childcare center than you do in your own home most days. But first things first. Before you start moving things around inside your classroom, take inventory of what you have and what you can purge. Toys are great, but are you able to remove things like the giant farmhouse in the middle of the floor that doesn't get played with often? If you really want to know my opinion on that farmhouse, make sure to check out episode 68, All About Block Play. Reflect on what gets played with a lot and what doesn't get touched. Then, with the items that don't get played with often, is it because the children aren't interested? Or is it because it isn't easily accessible? If this is your first time in the program, don't worry about knowing whether or not the children play with certain things. You will learn as you go. As a point of note, often, less is more. I highly encourage you to take as much out of the room before you start moving furniture so you only put back items of importance. In other words, that box of broken crayons that you've been meaning to melt down and do something with can go. Is that just me? Okay, then we'll move on. Once you've got a good idea of what you have, it's time to do a color inventory. What colors are present in your room? Take a look at the warm and cold colors. For warm colors, think of the sun, a combination of reds, oranges, yellows. In a large room, you may want to avoid red and yellow. They reflect more light and in turn, they can stimulate a person's eye, which can lead to irritation. Warm colors can be associated with heightened emotions, including joy and playfulness. Cool colors remind us of water, sky, ice, and snow. Think blue and green when thinking of cool colors for your classroom. Green creates a peaceful and calming environment. Bringing in plants is a great way to bring in the green, but we're going to talk more about plants in part two. Blue is recommended for high traffic rooms that you or other people spend a significant time in, like your classroom. It is considered calm and serene and is known for decreasing respiration and blood pressure. Consider your classroom goal and the outcome you want for your students. Do you want a classroom with high volume, joy, and playfulness? or one of calm serenity. Most educators would say they want a combination, 
because different activities and lessons and areas of the classroom require a different type of energy. Two colors that create a very nice balance between warm and cool are brown, a warm color, and light purple, which is a cool color. Brown tends to make large rooms seem cozier. Now, when I talk about the color brown, I don't necessarily mean going ahead and painting the walls. Brown could be the pieces of nature that are brought in, the containers for learning materials, or using naturally colored wooden furniture like tree logs. Purple is often a color that is overlooked in a classroom design. However, it does provide a nice balance between stimulation and serenity. It also encourages creativity. Finding a balance between warm and cool colors will create a beautiful balance in your classroom. Now, all this talk about colors is in an ideal world. Sometimes we are stuck with big ugly red tables that don't even work with the height of the children, but your principal slash supervisor refuses to let you take it out of the room for some unknown reason. Oh, that was just me? Well, you know, there are workarounds. As you could probably have guessed, I had a hideous bright red table. I found the color so loud. So I toned it down by using brown placemats and brown material and putting plants on top of it at the back. This table was so massive, so I needed to make it useful and less in your face. So when you're looking at your classroom color palette, look at are you more warm, cold, is there a nice balance? Can you help tone down a object in your classroom by adding some warm material or cold material to balance it out a little bit? Once you've got an idea of the materials you have in your classroom and your classroom color palette, it's time to decide on the centers you're going to have in your room. You may already have centers designated to areas of the room, but let's go over them anyways. I recommend the following centers as a for sure, and then if you want to add or have the space to add more, go ahead. Don't worry about writing these down. I have made you a mini guide to support you that will be released in part two of this podcast episode. The five centers I believe that every classroom has to have are a block center, a dramatic center, an art center, a science or discovery center, and a reading quiet center. Trust me, even if you have a tiny classroom, these five centers are totally doable. So what do I mean by that is maybe putting your dramatic center and block center near each other. This works for two reasons. One, they are both louder areas, but also they are two areas that are most likely to flow into each other. I once had a Starbucks dramatic center and the children in the block center had built a house. So it became part of a bigger play of getting coffee and then taking it home to drink. It was so cool to watch. Just because we call them centers doesn't mean that the child is restricted to stay in that center. I like to have the art center on a tile floor, if possible, away from carpet, and if possible, near a sink. I have not always been that lucky in regards to a sink, but definitely try to avoid having your art center on a carpet. Getting Play-Doh and or paint out of our carpet is a real pain. Your Discovery Science Center can be wherever you like. This center is usually a table and a standalone sensory bin. If you don't have a standalone sensory bin, then a tub on a table totally works as well. The science discovery table is where I put items that have been sparked by children's interests 
or maybe some invitations for children to discover new things. So for example, if the children have been talking about snakes, I might put out a snake skin with a magnifying glass on the table. The Science Center is very much a tactile, hands-on area with lots of opportunities for exploration. I strongly recommend drawing out a floor plan of your classroom. Having that visual will really give you a good idea of what is realistic in a room your size. Once you've decided on your areas and what's going where, take a look at the flow. Do you have any large spaces where running can take place? And if so, are you okay with running happening there? Is it safe for running to happen there? If you just know you're going to spend your time telling children to stop running, then break up the space. Move your science table over there. Add some tree logs with little activities on top. Anything that allows the space to remain positive, a yes space versus an environment that just welcomes running and then invites you, the teacher, to feel frustrated. It is important to take into account why you don't want the running to happen. If it's not safe, then it is a no-brainer that that space needs to be broken up. Now it's time to put items in your areas. An environment should engage and inspire. So as you add items to each area, make sure you can answer why you need or want those objects there. In the block center, I have a carpet, tree logs, a shelf to hold blocks, baskets to hold sticks, smaller blocks. I also have a shelf with baskets of cars, dinosaurs, people, animals, books on architecture, blocks, and buildings. I also have a shelf of loose parts for children to add to their play. I go into more detail on my block area in episode 68. My dramatic center generally follows the children's interests, but when I'm setting it up for a new school year, I will generally make it a house center. This is so I can include things that will be similar to students as they enter my classroom, possibly for the first time. So I will have some dress-up clothes. I will have dishes, cups, plates, a table. My dramatic centers have always been very small because my classrooms have been very small. So it's very minimal. So I make it up with keeping the loose parts from the block center near the dramatic center so that the two can flow together. In the reading quiet area, I have books, obviously. It is important to take inventory of your books and ensure that your books are a very large range of topics with all the children in your program represented in the books. The environment should be a place that screams belonging to the children, and certainly books are a simple step to take with that. I also encourage a calming basket, sensory materials that children can hold in their hands if they are in need of something because they are feeling dysregulated. This is especially important those first few weeks of school when children are adjusting to being away from their families. I also love to have mirrors and fairy lights in my book area. We will dive into lighting later in part two. The art center is one of my faves. There are a few ECs I follow who actually call their art center an atelier, which means a workshop or studio usually used by artists or designers. And isn't that what children are anyways? I love, just love, the word and what it means. In my atelier, I usually have two shelves of art supplies. I have paper, wax crayons, pencil crayons, short markers, long markers, thick markers, thin markers, pastels, watercolors, stencils, glue sticks, scissors, and one thing that most educators 
absolutely loathe, but I love, and that is glitter. The list goes on and on. I've included it in the guide I've made for you. I also have a bin of scrap paper as well as Play-Doh and a variety of loose parts to go with that. There is also an easel. Sometimes it'll have paint or pastels, bingo dabbers. I change it up quite often and don't restrict what the children use on there. It really is set up as an artist's studio, an atelier. And the reason why I have such variety is because it is incredible to watch the learning that takes place when there is easy access to art materials and things to compare. So for example, having a thin marker versus a thick marker. Right away, children are using those to differentiate thick from thin, and already you're starting on the math skills. So there is so much learning that takes place when we provide variety. Now finally, at the Science Center, as I mentioned, there are tactile, high sensory activities. I generally keep these on a tray. I have books on related items, measuring tapes, scales, rulers, paper on clipboards, goggles. You can have a lot of fun with a science table. One of my favorite activities is to have a tray with a cup of baking soda with a spoon in it and a child-sized jug of vinegar. It is so fun to watch the children discover and explore reactions. So that is an overview of each center and what to put in them. I've added more into the guide as well to help you along. In part two, we are going to explore adding plants and lighting to your environment, as well as how to create an environment that helps children feel powerful and active, feel a sense of belonging, see themselves as competent and capable learners, and so much more. Can't wait to have you join me in part two, where we dive beyond the physical environment. Talk to you then.